Welcome. This is William Evans, and you are listening to a Living World Conversation about here and now. Our guest today is Evan Pritchard, director of the Center for Algonquin Culture in Woodstock, New York. Welcome, Evan. Yeah, thank you very much. Good to be here. Tell us where you are and what time is it there? And are you are you also in the here and now? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, I'm feeling in the here and now. So that's a that's a commendable place to be in this time. Well, it's the only safe place to be in this time. Tell us how. Uh, you start thinking too much, then you know you get dragged off your center. Once you're dragged off your center, it's hard to get back to the here and now. I'm a Mi'kmaq or Mi'kmaq person and. The language means a lot to me, and there's a common expression, Nige Ga'ami, which people say a lot. Nige Ga'ami, it's like here and now. Ni is like I, so I am here and now. And uh, it's a good thing to say, it just feels good, you know? So you say it before you speak to uh, the Creator, tell him who you are and where you are. So you're always here and always now. So uh, where I begin. Beautiful. Kindly tell us how you got there. Uh, Well, that's an interesting question. Uh, I believe that one of the best ways to catch this whole state of consciousness or being where you're in the here and now is by meeting somebody who is also in the here and now. It's, I think, by far the quickest way and the easiest way. Just find somebody who's in the here and now and just talk to them. But it really helps. So I don't believe that I was really in the here and now when I met Grandfather Turtle that I wrote about in Nowhere for Time. And so I told the whole story in the book, How I Met Him. And I was worried about stuff that I really didn't have to worry worry about. And I was having uh, various issues at times, you know, forgetting things and uh, worrying about things and thinking about what do people think. And, and then he just blew that all away with in conversation. And I don't know if I really came out with the full story in the book, but, but really he said, you know, just cut the crap, you know, just people, uh, you know, don't control you. You are an independent free being created by the creator here and now. And you have that always if you want it. And he says, you know, people go around and they're like bowing, scraping, yes or no, sir. But animals don't do that. And how come an animal has all these natural rights to just, you know, be free? And then people don't have those rights? Well, there's reasons where we need to be kind to each other. And that's important. But, yeah, he just, he just really turned it all around for me. He says, don't worry. You know, don't worry about time that you you should give yourself whatever time you need to finish the job that you're doing and then go on to the next thing. And then you really get into that, uh, and I would say it's kind of like a groove you get into of the now, and you just get into that and you don't want to leave it. And uh, that's when I found my way to the here and now fairly quickly after talking to this man. And... um, So another person who was often in the here and now, or most of the time, was my mother. Uh, 
she's a Mi'kmaq person. That's where I get my Indian from, if you want to say. And her birthday is today, and she was born in 1929. Wow. On this day. Wow. But, but she was really, like, just naturally tapped in to the present moment. You know, she wasn't usually too worried about things. And she could deal with quite a lot of uh, chaos and just kind of flow with it. So how old would she be today, uh, 1929 to now? That's what, 93 years? Yeah. Yeah. And um, Grandfather Turtle explained to you that the Mi'kmaq language had no word for time. Yes, oh, exactly. And I was trying to learn um, all these. I mean, it was before the conversation about being here and now and not worrying so much about what humans think and do. But yeah, that was, I was looking for like a study of, of language that he would teach me the language in a way that I could, you know, learn it like a course. And of course, that was the opposite of what he had in mind. And he brought me through an experience with every single word. And, you know, if I was going to learn about an herb, I've had to, you know, eat the herb or, or find it or whatever it was, he would, you know, experience it with me, for the words, I remember. But then I said, okay, and I'm thinking again, I was thinking again from the, was it, the left brain. I said, okay, so now I have this list here, what's the word for time? And he just kind of laughed, because we don't believe in that. <laughs> I mean, that's what he said, but like, he kind of imagined that, we don't believe in that crap, you know. Time? He says, yeah, you know, that's, that's just the, what people think there is, but there isn't any. Um, there's processes and there's, you know, the cycles, but that's not time like on a watch. So that doesn't even exist. Is it time just, you know, there's this events and there's the sun and the moon and there's these cycles. And you try to tap into the cycles like in this present moment because that's really the only place you can. But once you get into that current, you don't need time. You try to, you know, the Mi'kmaq, Mi'kmaq people are very much interested in synchronicity, although they would not use that word. But they use it just naturally all the time, and people expect to connect without clock time through synchronicity. And in order to be connecting with other people in synchronicity, you really have to be in the present moment. You can't be anxiously thinking about, oh, I should really be here a minute earlier or later. Is that, that's not the right, uh, I guess, the approach. It's a calmness I'm becoming to believe more and more in serenity, too, which was never exactly a big conversation I had. But one tactic he taught me was, was uh, peace, peace and quiet. And he didn't like the way a lot of people used the word peace. It's purely political. He said the important, you know, start with the piece that you can uh, find in yourself. And in the past two years with all this conversations about COVID and all the fear that you hear in the media, I find it very useful to go back and think about what tactic, what it really means, and, and just loving that, that inner peacefulness. And so the thing is that it's, it's something that if you ask for it, you can have it. So like happiness, and I never imagined that until recently, because I never really needed to, but, and I find that 
to pray like in church. You can just talk to the universe and ask questions, and you get results of some kind. I mean, you have to. Uh, you're putting out your thoughts. And, and so I found that if you ask for uh, a sense of peace from the universe, it will just happen. And the same thing with happiness, because the two are related. But then once you're in a contact, you know, that really peaceful place, then you don't really need time. You just sense it when, when you do things. It's like when you're deer hunting or just stalking an animal. If you're thinking too hard, you're never going to find the animal because there's no train schedule, you know. <laughs> you just feel it, and then you know. So that's happened a lot to me in the past year since meeting Grandfather Turtle. I had some of it, but but that was when the, the, my big turning point, when I thank him so much. Because my life changed totally when when I applied what he was saying. And, and what I'm saying to you is that for me, the best way to learn how to, quote-unquote, be spiritual or to be calm or to be outside of time is to meet somebody who who isn't stuck in all that, who is free to to be here and now. And you can't tell when that person is going to come along because, I mean, I met Ram Dass, and it's like, yeah, he's got some of it, but he didn't have, you know, looking at him, I didn't get the full blast of, like, totally grounded in the here and now. But again, the circumstances were not ideal. I, I find that with Native people more often than not. Uh, there are Native American people in this country who have managed to hold on to that ability, and they can they can share it unintentionally. You know, I think if you try too hard, it won't work. But children who are in the here and now can transfer it to you. And animals, of course. But really, the best thing is a fellow adult person who's really tapped into that deep here and now, and then you just sit with them, and then you get it. it it's just there. It's there. <laughs> it's not a construct. Time is a construct. Being here and now is not a construct. You don't have to make it up. And when you're, when you're in the here and now, is there a decrease in confusion and unnecessary fear? Confusion is is rampant right now, and right. Okay, well, this is what I wrote about in order for time that that I'm funny, but I'm really happy that that I was able to write down what Grandfather Turtle said, and he said in terms of uh, avoiding conflict, he says that problems start with confusion, and then the confusion can lead to fear, and this fear can lead to anger, and the anger can lead to violence. And that was so, so complete a teaching for me, just that one sentence. And, and I, one of my favorite stories is, is I shared that with various people who were 
Right. And, right, I didn't know, but um, I told that to a couple people. And uh, so we're, it was also in, um, I guess, in no order for time. But I was in a mall, uh, one of these big shopping malls. It was very kind of spiritually empty place. And I felt that emptiness. I felt sad just because it was so materialistic. And I was looking through a glass window into a shop where they were selling TVs. And I think, well, this is, this is like the bottom of my existence I'm doing here and now so much here. I'm just here and I'm now, but, you know, I'm not really contributing much. And then Star Wars uh, was on the TV in the glass window in the shop, and here comes Yoda, and Yoda looks into the eyes of uh, Luke Skywalker and into the eyes of each viewer, and he says, you know, uh, violence starts with confusion. Confusion leads to fear, and fear can lead to anger, and anger can lead to violence, and I nearly fell down, but they, they got that from me. <laughs> I remember when you told us that. And I passed that on from Grandfather Turtle, because that's exactly what he said. Yep. Yeah, we did a we you and I did a conversation in 2011 and included that in that in that program. Yeah, it was so long ago. But now I think it's a really maybe the most important thing that he said that grandfather Turtle said to me. Yeah, it's huge. Yes. So I try try very hard not to be confused and I sometimes have to really stand up to people who are creating confusion deliberately. And that actually happened just uh, today. I finally, you know, I was had to stand up more and more, and I can't go into details, but stand up more and more to somebody who was causing me a lot of confusion. And finally, today, we had a breakthrough, and we resolved the, you know, the whole thing. And now I feel very much, so even more in the here and now. Well, tell us what... Tell us what you can about that experience today, because I I encounter people who are intentionally creating confusion a lot. Wow, yeah, yeah, and more and more. It's more often, and I don't know why people will do this, and, and it's maybe deep psychology. I'm seeing it more and more, and I'll just be general about this. People will say things that I don't understand, and don't understand why they're saying it that way and when it could be very simple. And I think there's a sense of lack of control in their consciousness, and they feel like the, you know certain things in their life are out of their control. And uh, this could be for a number of reasons, somebody losing their job, somebody having to move, and these are all things that are happening a lot these days. I know several people who have basically had to retire this week, but um, other people may be feeling so insecure that, you know, it, it caused this problem. And I'll tell you, I had a situation with, um, well, my sister, and we were talking about the amount of fear that pours out of the radio and television. And, you know, she's going through a lot of chances. She said that it's starting to get to me. And I know my sister's courageous. She's famous for being, like, fearless, right? And then I had this pass on this information that somebody gave to me. They said, uh, this this medical helper. So he says, well, it's, you know, there's this fear out there, but how you react to it, it's not only your mental decision, but it's also 
immunity can handle. If you've had COVID, COVID can strip you of your B vitamins. And so why don't you try, I mean, you had, I had COVID, so I was telling him that I had COVID, haven't felt the same. He says, well, why don't you take, like, B vitamins? I said, well, I don't like them all. He said, well, then take B12. Just take a little bit every day for a week and then see if these fears even bother you anymore. And so I did. I went out and got, like, your standard bottle of vitamin B12. I'm not giving medical advice, so you can check me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but, but I did it for just a week. I took regular GI issue B12, and these fears, they went away. They didn't bother me anymore. It was a physiological thing. And that was surprising. But, you know, you can be here now and be very calm, but but if your nervous system has been damaged by COVID, you can fix that. <laughs> For me, I had a, I, I guess I had a B deficiency, and here it was, just took, you know, a pill a day, whatever, two pills a day, and, and I felt fine. And so there were still lots of scary situations because the times were in, but they... You know, they didn't have that effect of making me nervous or whatever. So that's my advice. So I told my sister that, and she said, I'll go and try it. So we'll see what happens. Well, I love those kind of stories. You're, you're listening to a Living World conversation with Evan Pritchard about being present where you are. What happens when you go to New York City, Evan, and, and have to catch a subway or make an appointment. How does it feel? It's a shift. It's, it's definitely a shift, and that's one of the things that we're dealing with in the 21st century. But uh, part of making an agreement with somebody is that agreements should be honored. We just try to fulfill your agreements. So you have to be careful to make really good agreements and because they have to be ones you can fulfill and they you know, from a calm state of consciousness. Or if you make an agreement that you know is going to be really exciting to try to achieve, I do that sometimes. And so I have to remember, you know, if I get all, all like, anxious that I, that I chose that. I wanted that excitement. <laughs> and so going into New York City, yeah, to catch a train, I have a very long trip tomorrow. I'm probably going to take four different uh, trains in a row, you know, because that's how New York is. Right. And and so you lose a certain amount of autonomy like that because, hey, uh, you know, a conductor might be asleep at the wheel or might be, you know, a, a train breaks down. You don't know. You have to let that go. And so you have to be even more in the, in, in the here and now to catch what to do, right? As you're in the process, you can't stop the process. You're in this big wave traveling towards the destination and all kinds of things can go wrong. I mean... I've been on trains that caught fire, you know. I could tell you some stories. And then read about it in the New York Times and found they reported it very differently than I experienced it. But anyway, the fact is that anything can happen. And what I believe is, and you know, I don't know, have you ever had this experience where you're in a calm state and somebody asks you a question and, and it's a hard question and the answer just pops right in? Sure. Yeah, yeah, so that's the miraculous stuff. And yet, if you're anxious and upset, then, you know, you say, what's three and three? And you just blank out, like, I have no idea, you know. So the Dalai Lama really laid that out in his mindfulness writings, and there's books based on that, that the hippocampus and, the, you know, the frontal cortex and the neocortex. And, and they, when they work together, 
like my love for that person, my concern for that person, respect. Then I look at my watch and say, oh, this train should be here in 10 minutes. And so it's a labor of love. So I'm using time as a tool. But when time becomes toxic is when you fear what time will do. Like if you fail time, if you fail to respond to time as this absolute monarch in your life, then you're in trouble. You know, the native people noticed how the colonists used to stare at this clock and do whatever it said. And they thought that was absolutely insane. (laughs) I mentioned this in over time, but they called it Captain Clock. So that's the toxic time, is when it's your, uh, become the, you know, the slave of time. And then instead of the master of it, so I think there's there's an art form in mastering time and using it like like a surfing on a wave, you know, like it's sexy when you can do it right and you're in control of it. I'm not saying that happens every time, but yeah, you know, there's a bit of anxiety about you know a very big like I you know like you I give these lectures and do radio shows and especially the live lectures, you know, I have to be there at a certain time and and yeah, it would be disrespectful if I didn't show up on time. So well, I can think of this art form of like, okay, how am I going to like really ride that flow of those minutes? And the minutes are artificial and they don't really exist. So I want to shift, Evan, I want to shift now to the benefits you experience when you are in tune with everything in nature, which is constantly living in the here and now. Tell us about... Oh, yeah. Tell us about the benefits of that, and, and perhaps you may have a story relevant to resonating with, with what's happening in nature. Yeah, well, the story that comes to mind is one I wrote about in, uh, in the Bird Medicine book, and that really was traveling across country and had gotten completely out of time because I was driving overnight, and that can really be disorienting. I had no idea what time it was because it was still dark and becoming light. But I had this, um, I found myself in near Heart's Content, Pennsylvania, and they, I love that name, and they, uh, that uh, Allegheny Forest, which is one of the most beautiful forests. And at the dawn came in, there was this fog everywhere, and it looked literally like um, a magical dream. The most beautiful place. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm working on the bird book. And I'm thinking there's a couple questions I have. And then I see a line of people through the fog in the woods, a line of people marching along. And I thought, well, that's where I'm curious. So I went over, and they were uh, following this man through the woods at 6 in the morning. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be part of this. Maybe it's a, a, some kind of bird walk. And so I got into the line and pretended to be one of them. And, and then I kind of inched person by person I got closer to the to the, the leader even though I wasn't supposed to be there I hadn't paid for it and then it turns out this is Arthur Bledsoe who's this world famous ornithologist and afterwards I got to talk to him and I had this burning question I had my whole you know for years which was what is a Zizi Bam? and this is a Micmac Mi'kmaq word it means my wild bird but I said what kind of bird is a Zizi Bam? And he didn't bat an eyelash. He said, well, this event, you know, is the uh, black-throated green warbler. And their, <laughs> their homeland is uh, 
the same as the, the Mega you know, migratory land as well. So it's like their bird, and it's this particular bird, and then he starts acting like the bird, and he goes, zip, zip, zip. This is the sound it makes. So he answered all my, everything I wanted to know. And so part of that is just being, of course, out of time and then being really just drawn completely into the natural environment, which was quite wild. And then connecting with another person who was so connected that he, I mean, how many people in the world can you walk up to and say, what is the meaning of this Micmac word, you know? And he knew, like, off the top of his head. So that's what example comes to my mind. Wow, that's a that's a coming into resonance with the intelligence of nature and a and a wise man at the same moment. Yes, and what I'm saying too is, well, I guess my theme for the day is that meeting people who have the wisdom and have that calmness and have that love. I mean, love is a whole other thing. Then uh, it really changes you. And one of the great uh, experiences I've had in traveling around New York City with the subways and everything, I got out of the subway and I was walking around that little fence and, and there was this man, I don't know what country he was from, probably from Asia, like uh, India, maybe. They just stopped and he looked at me and in his eyes was was like as close to God as a person can have in their eyes. And I just stopped and looked at his eyes and then he walked on and that's like, they call it darshan. But I don't know who he was. I don't know if he was a spiritual person, but that he had somehow managed to convey this cosmic love that's everywhere. And it's so simple. It was so simple. You know, I didn't have to even wait for it. It was right there. And it was just the natural state of being. And so it, being, you know, looking at him and just being in his presence for like 10 seconds really changed my life for a long time. And you were present in the here and now and able to receive it. That's true, and that's an important part of it. And I must have needed it. I knew I needed it and all that. Not out of fear, but, you know, you ask the universe and you get answers. Whatever it is you're looking for, it's really good if you can find people who have it. And in what's the problem with the COVID lockdown is you, you know, it's hard to connect with people on that level, so then you have to generate that yourself and become the change you wish to see. And so that's another challenge. But now that we're coming out of lockdown, the opportunity is going to come back to us where we can meet people that have a certain quality. It could be comments, could be could be consciousness, could be love, could be wisdom, and then just absorb their quality. It doesn't even matter what they say. And you, you were changed by that. Yes. To be a, a child, for example. Yes. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you, Evan. Wow. <laughs> this is great. I love talking to you. Please. It's always a blessing to talk with you. You've been listening to a Living World Conversation with Evan Pritchard about the here and now. This is KDNK.